2: From WBEZ Chicago, I'm Greta Johnson, and this is the Nerdette Book Club. It's just like a regular book club, except you don't have to share your snacks. It is the month of June, and our selection is Shannon Chakraborty's The Adventures of Amina al Sarafi, a historical fantasy pirate novel. My four favorite words together. Our protagonist in this book is Amina al Sarafi. She's a former pirate who settled down to live a quiet life with her mother and daughter, but when a wealthy older woman, Makes Amina an offer she cannot refuse. She finds herself right back on the treacherous seas. She rallies her old crew and embarks on the treasure hunt of a lifetime, encountering all kinds of creatures and devious characters along the way. That's all I'm going to say for now, but this is your spoiler warning. We are going to talk about all the spoilers. So if you haven't read the book and you don't want to know what happens, go back and listen to our interview with Shannon in the feed. If you have read the book or you do want to know what happens, we are so glad to have you. And I am so excited to introduce you to our panelists this month. With us, we have Meha Ahmad. She is a senior producer for WBEZ's daily talk show, Reset. Meha, hello. Hey, Greta. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to have you. You've been on the show a number of times, but I've never asked you to read a whole ass book. So I'm very excited to have you today. Thank you for reading it.
1: I love getting homework. It's great. It's <laughs> great.
2: Also here is Christina Orlando. They're a writer and editor and book nerd, and they're the book's editor at Tor.com. Christina, welcome back. Thank you so much. I'm
3: so thrilled to be able to talk about this book with you.
2: Right? Okay, so I think we should start off with a listener voicemail just to kind of set the tone. This is Rachel from Indianapolis.
1: This book has been so much fun. Um, I'm not finished with it, but I wanted to call in because I just had to say just how much I'm enjoying it. It's just been, it's just been so fun. It's such a great summer read. I love all the components of this book. It's adventure, but it's also got all this like historical stuff in it, which
2: I love. Um, And it's just been such a delight. I can't wait to finish it. And I am so excited that it's a trilogy. (laughs) I just love that exuberant enthusiasm. So to start, how much did y'all love this book? Christina, were you a fan?
3: I loved it. And I forgot that it was the start of a trilogy. (laughs) (laughs) I just got so excited all over again. Oh, my God. Perfect. It's also it's so much fun. And I flew through it. I'm kind of a slow reader, admittedly, but I finished Mm. this in like two or three days. I was so loving it.
2: That's funny because it's not short either. I mean no. this is this is a hefty tome. So that is really but it is it's just like it's so propulsive. I yeah. Mean, it, it the the forward momentum of the plot is so satisfying. Yeah. I think. Ma, what did you think?
1: I loved it right away. Like I just hearing the synopsis of it. I remember when you first told me, you know, hey, we're doing this book club book. Mm. I'm like, oh, badass lady muslim pirate like that's like the venn diagram all the things i like is a circle and that's all it i mean we see so many kinds of different kinds of fantasy stories and for me as a muslim woman like i thought that oh i don't think i've ever thought to have that kind of character or that kind Mm -hmm. of story so i mean it was really hard to not impress me with this one Mm -hmm. um i will say for me i did think it started a little slow Mm -hmm. but then once it start starts the race is on yeah
2: yeah I could see that well it's interesting hearing you say that about like a badass lady Muslim I think especially in the context of like historical fantasy mm. you know mm-hmm. like so often those are like so eurocentric I think that's partly what I found so refreshing about this one
1: yeah absolutely I love um historical fantasy stories um I love historical romance novels I mean those are all like my favorite kinds of stories to read and you're right it absolutely is very eurocentric i'm often reading about like the victorian era so for me it was really lovely to read a story that um they're talking to about people in yemen and palestine in iraq um and like i i just I, I just realized like as i was reading this that's not typically the content i'm consuming and it just i didn't realize the thirst i had for it mm. um And even just, like, the way Shannon Checkerboardy writes, like, I could tell she's writing this for somebody who already knows this world and culture because she doesn't stop to define everything. Yeah, yeah. I think the
3: beautiful thing is, I know that Shannon is a historian, and so you always feel like you're in really good hands. Like, she's done her research, she knows her shit, and it felt very much that way with her first trilogy too. Um, It is also a a Muslim character, I believe, set in a non-Eurocentric setting. Um, And it's, I remember hearing her talk about wanting to write towards that so that her children would have stories Hmm. when they grew up with people who looked like them and with a culture that felt like theirs. And that was so important to her. Mm -hmm. And it just turned out so beautifully.
2: It's gorgeous. Well, and I think, too, the idea that, like, I mean, 12th century Europe was like, shit was pretty grim. But things were so much more sophisticated in the regions that she's writing about, you know?
3: Mm -hmm. And I also was interested in the way that it mixes historical elements. The religious elements are there throughout. Um, Mm -hmm. Amina is praying and talking about her god quite often. But Mm -hmm. that exists alongside with The magical elements. And that's something I found very interesting because you don't often find characters talking about God and magic as two separate entities. Usually Mm -hmm. if God is present, that is like the source of the magic or there is like a pantheon of gods and that is the source of the magic in this world. It's not usually two separate things. And that was such an interesting thread to follow that it's like those things can exist alongside each other in this world.
2: That's such a fascinating distinction that I had not noticed, so thank you for pointing that out, Christina. Mm-hmm. I love that Christina. So I know you're a genre fan. Do you tend to swing more towards sci-fi than fantasy, or are you cool with all the things? I was just kind of curious. I'm
3: definitely a fantasy person. please don't tell like my sci-fi <laughs> friends that I said that, <laughs> but i I love magic, I love a really immersive world, and i'm I'm very happy that that gets to be my job. <laughs>
2: that is real lucky yeah let's listen to another voicemail here is ava this book was such a fun way to jump into summer reading the world was so rich and delightful i loved the characters amina and her crew just knew each other so well and i think the thing that really worked well for me was that the story dropped you in she already knew her crew they had history and inside jokes They knew how to poke and prod at each other, and there wasn't a lot of, like, the push and pull of, are they going to get along and be a team? Are they going to be enemies that you find in a lot of fantasy stories? The setup happens, and you're right there jumping into an adventure story. I loved that. I think, you know, and it was interesting talking to Shannon about that, too, but the fact that they're not, like, adolescents going on this journey was so refreshing.
3: It's so exciting because I feel like there has been a rush of fantasy stories especially and sci-fi stories too about found family Mm. um which has been desperately needed especially for queer folks and I'm so excited that more books are starting to include that but what's interesting about this is it's not about finding your found family it's about bitching with your found family (laughs) like as you become more of a family that's the way that things start to go and it was just so much fun and I was like fully in love with Amina from very early on, from the moment she was like, I don't fucking pay taxes. (laughs) That's it, bitch. I love
1: her. (laughs) You're right. I did like that. We kind of just get dropped into far into the story in her career. She's not like a newbie 16 year old running away from home and going to become a pirate. You know, she's a grown woman. She's a mother. She she already knows these people. But I really wished I had been able to see her Mm. sort of like at her peak heyday pirate days, um, I just really, the whole time I'm reading, I'm like, I want the prequel, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I want the, you know, maybe not when she first starts out, but like, I don't know, a decade into her piracy, like, I want to see that book.
3: I wouldn't be surprised if we'll get that sprinkled in in future books, because Mm -hmm. part of the structure of this is like stories within stories, and stories being dictated and stuff like that. So I wouldn't be surprised if that comes up.
2: Yeah, I think so, too. I think you have a really good point. Let's listen to another voicemail. Here is Kali from Philadelphia. I really enjoyed the book. I feel like it was a quintessential
1: adventure. And it also had this vein of sarcastic humor that was going throughout the whole book that I really latched onto and loved because that's my type of humor. And I think it worked really well in this book because Amina is an older female pirate who was semi-retired, didn't want to get back into it. She's like, I'm too old for this, but here I am. I need a new roof, so let me do this. And, you know, a lot of us are there in real life. So I think that made her so much more relatable, and it made the book, for me, more enjoyable because I could really place myself in her in her
0: shoes.
3: I will agree that I like that she's an older protagonist also, um, partially because I am old and I love to complain about being in pain and not wanting to run around and all that <laughs> shit also. And also because I, th- I hope that we're starting to move away from the trend of, like, 16-year-olds saving the world. Mm. I think that narrative had its place and it has value, and I think it's very beautiful for young people to, like, be motivated by stories about heroes. But... I worry about that filtering into a cultural narrative of, like, the younger generation is going to save us. You know, Mm -hmm. we're going to have a Katniss Everdeen to save us. And I'm like, no, Mm -hmm. let them go to school. Sometimes... you know, older people can take up the reins again. Sometimes we can like complain about our broken backs and all that shit and also
2: save the day. Still kick ass. Yeah. Well, I think too, the other piece of like the 16 year old saving the world narrative that often is overlooked is like how fucking traumatic it would be. Like all of those children have PTSD, you know? I got like
1: everything everywhere all at once vibes from this. Mm. Um, Just that like, yeah, what's nice to have a somewhat older woman mother, um, who you wouldn't typically expect to be the hero who maybe herself wishes she had, um, uh, or not wishes she had more adventure, but it even has more of an adventuresome spirit. Mm. Um, let her be the one the the sort of unexpected hero to be the one to step in and be the heroine for us. Like Amina had a like a wisdom too, um, Mm -hmm. which comes with that sort of experience and age that you wouldn't have had in a 16 year old heroine. Yeah. Yeah. She didn't have time to deal with everybody's bullshit. So she was just like (laughs) trying to get things done. Mm -hmm. I feel like that is an older person's thing. (laughs) So like that is not, young people have the time. The older people are like, we just need to get moving here, which is like why I think like the adventure just keeps a
2: fast pace Mm -hmm. throughout the book. Okay. Let's take a quick break. More on the adventures of Amina Al-Sarafi in just a minute.
1: Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events.
2: So I would love to talk a little bit too about the one last job trope because I think it does uh, kind of fall under the umbrella of them obviously being middle-aged, but it's also like I think of that as like an Ocean's Eleven thing, not a historical fantasy middle-aged pirate thing. And I just loved seeing it in this context so much. Christina, is that, as someone who does read a lot more genre stuff than probably me or Maha, is did that like surprise you?
3: Yeah, I'm like staring at my bookshelf. and I'm like, do I have any other books that are right. kind of one last job? Kind of. I feel like the only thing that I can think of is, as far as I know, the season of Star Trek Picard is like that, like getting the team oh, back together. Fun. But other than that, I can't actually think of anything that might be on me. I might need to <laughs> re- like search out older protagonists a little bit more.
2: Well, I mean, I do think most stories, you know, even if you end up where this story did, you would have started with, you know, kind of to Mecha's point, like the initial, the rise, and then yeah. you would get to the, you know, which is, it's really cool to kind of start in the middle of things in that context yeah. too. And I think
3: that a lot of the, pirate stories that we have specifically are about, like, finding the crew, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the driving force for, like, finding the perfect crew to pull off this job. She already has the perfect crew, so she knows she can pull off this job, because she's got a team that she can rely on. She's got a team of highly skilled, uh frankly, wonderful and kind of <laughs> weird individuals, and so she never doubts that she can do this, which I think is a very unique standpoint.
2: Mm-hmm. That's so true. Mm. I think too, one thing I really loved is sometimes adventure novels end up feeling a bit tiresome to me if I don't feel super engaged with with each one of the different steps of where they need to go next and why. And, you know, often I'll stick through it because I know the destination will be worth it. But I have to say, this is one where I really did enjoy the journey just as much as the destination.
3: Yeah, I agree. I was thinking a lot about her motivation throughout because I think with older protagonists, you can kind of get like, why are they even bothering to do this? Like, go sit down. But she talks so often about wanting to do this for her family. Yes, she has a roof she needs to fix. Yes, she has a daughter she needs to take care of and protect. Later on, we see that, like, the, you know, that becomes a huge force, that she needs to protect her family. But it's also so much about her personal ambition. She takes mm. on this job because she kind of wants to.
0: Mm-hmm. And
3: she is always interested in having that adventure and being great and knowing that she can pull this off in a way that men cannot because her being a woman occasionally in this narrative does afford her different opportunities. There's stuff that she can get away with that men could not get away with because people underestimate her. And I think thinking about it as a story about women's ambition
2: makes mm-hmm. it so
1: exciting
2: especially the ambition of a mother
1: yeah so many mothers are I mean martyrs yeah <laughs> they're just mart. you just give up everything for your kids and you you know feel guilty putting yourself first and she does feel guilty sometimes mm. she says I feel guilty basically feeling free at, at sea um, but uh what I appreciate about her is you're right she is super ambitious but what I like about her is that She's honest about it, right? Like mm. she says, "I I want this. I feel freer when I'm out there. I'm constantly. She's like looking out the window, constantly looking at you know mm-hmm. the sea and and missing her time there. Um, she's aware she finds her sanctuary in her faith,
0: mm. but
1: that she finds her freedom in her piracy. Yeah, <laughs> in a way. And the duality of her is something that I just like. I could write a thesis on this like i was so fascinated by all that from her
3: you definitely got the feeling like she was made for this like this Mm, is just what she's good at what she loves and obviously it like gets her into trouble she makes some questionable decisions bless her but it's like this is what she was put on this earth to do it doesn't ever feel like she could have done anything else
2: Yeah, that's so true. Okay, let's listen to another voicemail. Here is Liz in Minnesota. My favorite line from the book has to do
0: when Jamal was doing the first tale of the moon of Saba. Um, And I really liked the role of stories and the role of oral legends passed down in this.
1: Um, And so stories do that, don't they? Branching out like a sapling searching
0: for sunlight. By the time centuries have passed and that sapling is a mighty tree, there are more branches than can be counted, sprawling in wildly different directions." like stories just take a life of their own.
2: That reminds me of what you said earlier, Christina, about, you know, there's a lot with this structure when it comes to the idea of not only oral history, but also all the flashbacks. I mean, there's so many stories within stories in this one.
3: Yeah. It's something that I notice quite a lot in fantasy novels, especially because fantasy writers love the escapist portion of fantasy and creating different worlds. And usually there's always a moment where you can kind of see the writer's hand within the story, where they talk about how important stories are mm. and how they loved hearing stories as a youth. And that's why they wanted to go on adventures. And whether it's the narrator saying that or the main character saying that or whatever, you can always kind of tell it's like the author waxing poetic about fiction.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And there is a part in this where Amina talks about her father telling her stories as a kid, and that's why she wanted to grow up and go see the world. And I was like, that's the thing. Like, all of us who love reading and especially, I think, love genre fiction feel that way about the power of stories. And it's mm-hmm. so clear in this narrative. It's written throughout.
2: It was so interesting. That reminds me of a, a message we got on Instagram from an internet listener who said she loved this book partly because she could get out of all of the horrific news these days and just spend time out on the ocean, you know, which is, I could totally see that. I mean, I think about even just like the palette of this book and it's, it's so many bright colors, you know, you think about even the cover, right? It's like, you're just spending time in such a fun, vibrant space.
3: The cover is so good. Um, and I think it's interesting because so often we, we want escapist fantasy. We want to feel like we're taken away to another world, And like, we're, we don't have to focus on what's going on in real life. But even with something like this, you can still kind of see the context in which it was created because going back to, uh, what I mentioned earlier, like you can tell that Shannon wanted to write something about being an older woman. You can tell Mm -hmm. that you wanted to write about Islam and give space to that because we so often don't see that represented in fiction. Mm -hmm. So there's still little bits and pieces that filter through for, you know, from conversations that we have about representation in literature, I think, especially.
2: Mm-hmm, for sure. Um We also got a voicemail from Allie in Mississippi about the structure. Let's take a listen.
3: One thing I just really loved was the way that the book um handled flashbacks. Like I felt like we were teased so carefully through the first half of the book Amina's past and that, you know, something had happened with her previous crew that caused her to, you know, stop being a pirate. Um, but, But it was sort of, we got this, like, breadcrumb so artfully crafted throughout the novel until, you know, the moment
1: when it was necessary to sort of find out exactly what happened and it becomes relevant to the current plot and it was just really well done. And I imagine that as a writer, that's probably very difficult to do. And it was done so effortlessly. She's talking about breadcrumbs. There's a part of the story where the plot twists yep. and she, and then Amina tells the scribe, Jamal, um, mm-hmm. like, like she pauses in the story and goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. what are you talking about? I, I did not mislead you. I was just not totally forthcoming. <laughs> and Like, and, and, but until, until she needed to give that information and that kind of happens throughout Mm -hmm. where it's like, Hey, we weren't, we were, it wasn't misdirection. I just couldn't tell you it all at once. And I mean, what story tells you everything at once anyway, like you, you need to titillate the audience a little and like, you know, bring them on the journey. Um, which I just thought was really good storytelling.
2: Yes, it was really fun. So yeah, I'm glad you brought up the scribe because I would love to know, I mean, that was kind of a reveal in terms of who Jamal actually was too. I'm curious Mm. how that worked for each of you.
3: I love that shit so much. (laughs) (laughs) Did you? It's so satisfying. And like so often with trans narratives, the transness of the character is like, the main driving force of the story. And Mm -hmm. it's being kept a secret because it's scandalous or what have you, or it's like, it's, there's some kind of trauma around this, but I really didn't feel like this was treated as a trauma narrative, Mm -hmm. um, which was really beautiful to see. And everyone was just sort of like, well, okay, if that's the way you want to live your life, we'll accept your new name. Go be trans it's beautiful
1: yeah when i read or watch movies or whatever like i'm trying to almost ruin it for myself where i'm like you know what's the tr- i try to catch the trick mm. before they expose it um and i didn't see this one coming mm. like it was like for me like six sense level
2: surprise <laughs> at the end or i was like
1: the scribe- it was described the, the whole time like I, just yeah. couldn't believe it.
2: Yeah. I thought it was really sweet i also like i wish i had asked shannon about If there was, I imagine there's probably historical record of folks who did live like that in that time and place. But I really wish I had asked her about like if there was precedent that she found or if it was just something she wanted to add to the story because she thought it was a good addition to the story.
3: I'm wondering if it's that people in other areas and like non-Eurocentric areas treated transness a little differently um, That would be something that I'd be interested to know, because I wonder if there are any cultural differences, historically speaking.
2: Well, that's kind of I mean, even having talked to Shannon about, you know, like she was talking about how she's got like a I think it's like a just a reading group at her um, mosque and they read like some historical document that had all of these like reasons women would divorce their husbands Mm. and it literally would just be like, yeah, he couldn't get it up. And it just feels so different, especially when you think about 12th century European mores. So I do wonder if it just like was farther along in a variety of different societal norms, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, sure. Like in Islamic history, like we, I mean, I grew up learning about, stories of like the prophet and his companions. And that's what seventh century and the way people would get divorced and remarried, divorced and remarried all the time. Um, and it wasn't thought of as like, Oh, they're divorced. Don't look at them. You know, they, they, their marriage failed. It's, it's, it's not framed in those terms. Um, I definitely, learned more about stigma around divorce in more of a uh, Christian evangelical mm-hmm. perspective, mm-hmm. learning my Islamic history and the Muslims of the past and how marriage and divorce were um, just dealt with. Divorce was definitely considered like, hey, like, that's a reality that's going to have to happen sometimes. And it was not like a difficult thing for a divorced woman to just get, get remarried,
3: which is beautiful because Amina gets remarried a lot. <laughs> Bless her.
2: I, I thought it was such a fun way to like have her still be able to sleep around, but also like be loyal to her faith also, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure folks would judge like really dumb reasons, I guess. Like <laughs> if it's like, oh, you know, he looked at me wrong. I don't know <laughs> why people get divorced. I mean, like, but like the standard, like the standard you had to meet for like a good enough reason, I think socially wasn't terribly high.
3: I just love that there's a moment in this where Amina is talking about getting remarried and all of her ex-husbands and she's like, yeah, I married that guy just because I wanted to fuck him and then I fucked yeah, him and then yeah, divorced him. Yeah.
2: I thought it was delightful.
3: I
1: mean, again, super honest. She's like, hey, listen, it was what it was.
2: Yeah. Listen, I love Go her.
1: for her. Get it.
2: <laughs> so what do y'all want to see happen in the next books? Oh. I know, Meha, you want more backstory, which I think we oh, will get.
1: Yeah. I, lo- I love a backstory. I want to I get like, like maybe like even just before she retired, like what was, you know, when you were like 35, what was mm. that like? Mm-hmm. What was her favorite adventure or like mm. her biggest treasure haul? The best
2: heist? Yeah. Yeah, that does sound fun. I would really love, I was really intrigued by, and we've seen it in other stuff, but I think often from the kid's point of view, like the push and pull between amina and her daughter in terms of like i want you to stay safe i don't want you to go on these adventures and i think watching them kind of figure out what the middle ground is of like letting her explore and be more wild and free but also maybe not like a renowned murderess will be really fun to kind of see how that goes
1: yeah that's what really frustrated me a little bit about amina though like i'm like homegirl you were out there in the high seas like murdering thieving pirating and you're so scared i mean every mother is going to be fearful for their kids but like you don't want your kid. Like, she is sheltering her daughter. She won't let her go to school or whatever. Like, I'm like, man, the pot is calling the kettle black. <laughs> like, I just, I don't know. That, that frustrated. The, the hypocrisy there, I understood it. Mm. But it did frustrate me.
2: Mm-hmm. I could see that.
1: I haven't thought about her being
3: hypocritical in that way. and Now I'm going to go back over a little bit of it. I was like, <laughs> I I understand her being paranoid because she's done some shit in her life she's Uh run up uh against a lot of terrible horrible people and she talks a lot about like having killed people but not in the way that a lot of sort of pirate men are perceived where they're just like killing ruthlessly just for the fun of it yeah it never really seemed like she was like going out with that intention Mm -hmm. um she just did horrible things when she had to Um, but that means she made a lot of enemies. That means she got herself into certain situations that probably made things a lot of worse. So I understand her, like, not wanting to expose her family to any of that shit. But I have a feeling that at some point in this trilogy, we will get to see her daughter come on the boat. Mm -hmm. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Uh, this kid turns 15 and is like, mom, I'm coming with you. Here's, Mm -hmm. you know, stowaway situation or something like that. Um, (laughs) I I would be interested to see that. And I would. Now she's a pirate.
2: That'd be awesome.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
3: Like maybe it becomes kind of a family situation. Like what if her mom gets on board? Who knows? (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) I love that. Well, I think too, I mean, I feel like this book went in so many places that I just like could not possibly have fathomed. And I was so excited to be along for the ride that it's really fun to start a series where I have almost no agenda for what I want to, because I just want to hang out with Amina more. And like, if I get to do that, I will be satisfied.
3: Absolutely. I also want more of the hot demon ex-husband. I love him. I love (laughs) Rakesh. I'm sorry. That's like so much of my shit. I was like, I like (laughs) I knew from the beginning, I was like, I want to see them hook up again.
2: Well, I mean, the fact that he's, like, so turned on by her ambition yeah. is very appealing.
3: <laughs> yeah. And the fact that she, like, got married to him because she was like, oh, my God, this dude's so hot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but there is, like, a, a slight goofiness to him. I mean, he's so hot, but I just thought that I found that so charming. Yeah. Where he was like, marriage? Like, almost like, what's that? Sure, let's do that. It's a little <laughs> okay. himbo vibe. It
3: is, it, <laughs> like, is him,
2: it is him it is him and it's perfect so yeah did y'all have a favorite creature was it him it, it might have been, been him
3: it might have been him I love the sea monster I, like just mm-hmm. in general would love to see more sea monsters I think that's so much fun
1: mm-hmm. yeah
3: I I do love a hot demon <laughs> I would like to see more maybe some hot gin in the future
2: ooh that would be very fun I could totally picture just, that
3: just like make everyone hot this is what I want yeah <laughs> Yeah, I'm a, I'm like you. low
1: key obsessed with jinn. I mean, as a Muslim, I actually do believe in jinn. Mm. But jinn are actually like, for in Muslim lore, like a very terrifying sort of being. I don't want to interact with one. Mm. <laughs> that is not a thing. Like in in fiction, totally cool. Let him be hot. In real life, I'm like, I'm mm-hmm. not about that. Mm-hmm. I'm not about that jinn life. Um, I just like to read the. I mean, honestly, if you ever have like a a day or an afternoon where you're like. I want to go down a really weird Wikipedia rabbit hole. Read about gin lore. Hmm. That shit will keep you up. I got oh my time God. today. Got
2: yeah, that's an today. amazing recommendation. Time, Do it. <laughs> oh my God. I love it. Okay. So before we go, I want to ask you for recommendations of other things to read. The Wikipedia is a great place to start with the gin stuff. I love that. Mm. Um, but first, I think we should rate this book with a completely arbitrary rating system. Um, I didn't have to think about this one very hard because I felt like ex-husbands was the way to go yes. with this. So good. So I don't know, from like 1 to 20 ex-husbands?
3: Are more <laughs> ex-husbands good or bad? I think they're good, right? <laughs> okay. Let's yeah, go good.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> from 1 to 20? From 1 to 20. I, it's,
2: again, completely arbitrary. <laughs> I'm
3: going gonna, I'm gonna to say 19 ex-husbands only because this is such like a dumb book nerd thing to say, but I wish it was longer.
1: <laughs>
2: oh, wow. That is an amazing book nerd thing to say. What do you think, Maha?
1: I'm going to go, I was going to say 18, but now that feels low. <laughs> <There's something 19>. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go 18 and a half, 18 and a half ex-husbands.
3: It just means that a a there's more, for room, more room for more ex-husbands.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. See, there you go. Oh, I do love that. So maybe it should just be infinite then, huh? Because you never know. Like, why why limit yourself?
3: There are so many men out there to
2: destroy. So. Oh, my God. Amazing. <laughs> so in terms of recommendations, I would love to hear what y'all think around, I mean, this could be theme, topic, setting, genre, general vibes. One of the first things that came to mind for me was V.E. Schwab's Darker Shade of Magic series, which I love. And there's actually a follow up in the series coming out later this fall, which I'm very excited about. But there's a character in those books named Lila Bard, who admittedly is a younger woman, but is just like such a great swashbuckling, brash pirate. And so that was one of the first things that came to mind for me. But I'm very curious what y'all think. Maha, what are your ideas on this one?
1: So like I said in the beginning, I'm a big romance novel reader. Yeah. So I will say when I sort of saw the the strong women in this group Mm -hmm. um, and sort of like the badassness of them, Mm -hmm. it kind of made me think about um sarah mclean's uh, hell's bells novels yes i'm so glad to hear you say that because that was the other one on my list i think they're very similar actually i know you've had her on the show i know you guys talked about i think at least one of her hell's Bells. Yeah, books. bombshell was a book club yes book. yeah um she has another one coming out in august and i was like if you like the no-nonsense badass ladies in adventures of amina Serafi You would love the characters in Sarah McLean's books.
2: Amazing. Uh, Christina, what do you think?
1: Well, first of all, I'm so excited that you brought up Lila Bard because Lila
2: Bard is my number one. I love her.
3: Um, I think that this book fits in very nicely with a set of books that we call the Sapphic Saffron Trifecta, which is She Who Became the Sun by Shelley Parker Chan, Mm -hmm. The Jasmine Throne by Tasha Suri, and The Unbroken by C.L. Clark. If you look up, those books you'll see why we call it the sapphic saffron trifecta um they are all non-western fantasy they are all queer they are all anti-colonial and i think a lot of the themes fit with this book and i think also aesthetically it fits
2: with those with that group amazing i love that you just gave us three just like that it's beautiful it just works oh my gosh (laughs) Well, thank you both so much for reading this book and coming on to talk with me about it. We had way too much fun. I think it's fair to say.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much.
2: Okay. That's it for this month. Thank you so much as always for reading and listening along. And of course, extra special bonus gold star nerd at homework. Thanks to Rachel, Ava, Collie, Allie, and Liz for calling in. It is always great to hear from y'all. Our July book club pick is Tanya James's Loot. I am super excited for y'all to read it. Keep an ear out for the author interview with her coming up next Tuesday. Also, quick reminder this is your last chance to be part of Nerdette's 10th anniversary cake decorating contest. You got to bake a cake. You got to decorate it. You got to send us a picture and you could win a $250 gift card to bookshop.org. The deadline is this coming Friday, June 30th. So there is still some time, but you better get crackalack and you can find all the details at wbez.org slash nerdettecake. Also, I hope to announce our August book very, very soon. We're going to do that on our Instagram page. So be sure to follow us there. We are at Podcast. Nerdette is produced by me and Anna Bauman, J.P. Swenson builds our newsletter. And Brendan Vanazak is our executive
0: producer. We will see you on Friday. Nerdette is supported by The Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO Original Limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.